Welcome to the Business of Being Healthy, where we are passionate about treating our health as good as we treat our wealth. Shelly Bryan here, and I am obsessed with sharing real-life experiences and wisdom to help save you time, heartache, and money as you continue to grow personally and professionally. Twice a week, we push aside that BS to take massive intentional action, and I promise by tuning in, you will receive the straightforward talk you've been waiting for, filled with actionable steps that will inspire you to achieve the health and wealth you desire while you are building your empire. So we have made it to episode 99 here on the show. And typically my Tuesday episodes are with an interview, a guest on the show. But since we are nearing 100, I wanted to take today's episode and highlight the top five most downloaded episodes from essentially episode 51 to 98. So if you've been here a while, I did an episode very similar to this at number 50, where I highlighted the top five from one to 50 and wanted to bring back those episodes. I am doing it again. However, we are doing this one at 99 because episode 100 hitting the triple digits, I am going to bring you an entirely different episode. So this one is really special for a few different reasons because, you know, when you have a podcast and like this, like I am, I am so proud to be able to do this, so proud to be able to share the stories of my guests and also of my experiences in hopes of helping you achieve your goals faster, right? These are all the lessons that I wish I would have known sooner. And so when I look at all the guests that I've had on the show, I mean, what a privilege to be able to have those conversations with them. But my ability to do this actually started years ago. I mean, almost two decades ago uh, when I was in sales and sales is so much more about listening rather than selling. And I believe that is one of the things that one of the skills that I have been able to hone. So going through these five and seeing the most downloaded, not only was so fun to like review the analytics, but these five, it didn't surprise me that these were the top five. Each person that has been on the show, has brought such value. They've been able to solve problems and help our audience. They've definitely helped me. But one thing that's super cool, and I just have to say thank you off the bat, is that a lot of these solo episodes where it was just me were right there at the top two. So that makes me just feel good knowing that it's resonating with you. So thank you. If you are downloading, if you have left those reviews, you know, I call those out on the, call you out by name on Fridays or whatever your Apple name is or Spotify name is. That's what I, that's what I call you out on if you want to remain anonymous. But, um, I just got to say thank you so much to that. But these five are the ones that I am listing with the guest episodes and holy cow, these are so juicy. So Let's dive in, and we are actually bringing it back, starting with episode 55. This is with Raquel Quinette, and if you aren't familiar with Raquel, I'll definitely tag everybody's social media in these show notes. You're going to want to follow them, but Raquel is an absolute powerhouse, not only in the real estate industry, but also as a consultant when it comes to creating saleable 
as well as scalable businesses. And this snippet I am bringing you is just that. It's about creating saleable businesses through systems. And we talk about removing ego and how most often your ability to scale and grow is because you are missing a person or a system in your business. And she asked such a great question. She obviously is much more eloquent in the snippet that I'm going to share with you, but it's what happens when you step away from the business? I think so often as as entrepreneurs, we can feel like, oh, no one else can do it as good as me, right? I don't, I, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I absolutely have. It's like, oh, I can't let go. And it's a control thing. It's an ego thing. But to create a business that one is sustainable and scalable, but absolutely able to be sold, you have to remove yourself from it. So you are your most expensive employee. And I love Raquel here. How can you fire yourself? So before I give too much more away, listen to this snippet. And each one, I am going to link the actual full episode in the notes that you can go back to. But this was episode 55 with Raquel Quinette. When it comes to systems, and I truly believe I'm actually going to see somebody's operation tomorrow. um, And they'll do in sales volume, they'll do about $6 billion in real estate this year. One of the biggest fishes, I think, in our industry And it all comes down to processes and it all comes down to systems. Um, And I think it's, if I pulled you out, and this is something that we talk about with our clients today, if you had to sell, because people are making offers, if you had to sell and exit your business, what is it truly worth if I pulled you out of the business? So when I look at a business and I evaluate scaling somebody's business, it's like, if the person is Shelly and she's doing majority of the sales, whether it's, you know, masterminds or real estate, if I pulled her out and she's 70% of the business, that really doesn't have a lot of value because it's going to, it's going to shrink as she, as she leaves in the next 30, 60 days, we'll be lucky if it reaches 90 days. Um, and I would say when it comes to systems is how much, if you have solid systems, whether it's tech, whether it's processes, as far as SOP, whether now it's AI is, you can scale a lot today, especially I think after 2020, is you can scale a lot today with very minimal resources and just systems. Mm. If you don't have it documented and if you ever feel that you're in a position where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm running out of time. I have too many things to do. There's probably some repeating tasks that you constantly do. And I always say that you're either missing a system or you're missing a person in your life. That usually will solve a lot of our business problems. I I think that's so powerful because especially as business owners, we can all fall in that trap of like, no one can do it as good as me, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I, I'm the only one that can do this right. And I'm going to, I'm like calling out Chris right now on something is like, I am the only one. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm watching and I can like extrapolate. And that's where I think having that like coach, mentor, someone else look at it is like, I can see from a totally different eyesight on different things. And I'm like, oh no, we can systemize that. Like, I see what you're doing. Like you are that special. You created the system. But I think sometimes we can't get out of our own way because we think or believe or have some story or experience from our past that is telling us, don't give it up. You are the only one that can do it. 
Do you yeah. see that? Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. And I think that's the biggest difference with people that actually can scale uh, at such a fast rate versus the ones that can't because they're stuck in old thoughts of only I can do it better. Uh, we're notorious for it. I was there too. So I get it. Um, and you start to realize that if something happened to you and the reason why I got really good at system is I broke my ankle and I couldn't drive and being a realtor and when you've got lots of clients and demand, you're just like, oh crap, now what do I do? Then you figure out, oh, I got to build a team, right? And then you got to, you're like, how do I do everything from just a computer? And then you start to see like, oh my gosh, this actually works. So I would say for those that are like kind of stuck in that, just imagine if something happened to your business today, if something happened to you and you operate everything like it wouldn't go very far. The business would not continue to run. And believe it or not, there are people that can do it. It just comes down to training and your patience to actually train or write it down, everything that's in your head on paper. Mm, it's so good. And that's hard to do. That's it hard, I mean, it it can be hard to do. I was just doing that with with a system uh, that Chris was doing just this week. So, but, and, and it's like having someone else, like, right? Like, it's so great. Like I can help Chris and we can extrapolate what he's doing, but some like hire someone else, like even a transcriber, like someone sitting with you that just hears you like actually brain dump what you're doing that you don't even realize. I think yeah. that's often a, a thing is like, we just do it and it's like a habit. So you're really not putting that much brain power behind it. When in fact, that's like a key driver to your business. Yes. So true. So true. Okay. Um, so when it, when it comes to like systems scaling, you know, I think so often I've actually heard this in rooms that we say sometimes, well, that costs money. Like I have to pay some, like you said, replace it with a system or a person. Mm -hmm. Right. And there, there can be that fear also of, I, I don't know that I can do that. I, you know, I, to have the income to be able to do that, or that's a big expense to my business at this point. Yep. How would you help someone kind of coach through that, that portion? Oh, I love this question because guess what? The most expensive person in your company is you. So mm. you doing emails or you doing whatever task you can hire virtual assistants today for $3 an hour online mm. jobs, pH, right? So it's just taking the time to get it out of your head and into a system, but you're overpaying. Your company is overpaying. If you actually took ego out and you operated as a company, let's say it was Shelly's construction and that's the company. It's not Shelly, even though that she has all the contacts and whatever, but it's a business at the end of the day. And you are the most expensive employee, unless you're paying somebody as a CEO that could be more expensive than you. And you're not taking a salary. I've seen that as well, but you doing all those different tasks, just remember you're the most expensive person and you can probably cut your time, get some of that back, go generate business, which is way better than being behind the scenes or creating some, some systems. And here's the thing with systems, you create it once, you can forget about it for a little bit and then you can upgrade it later. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But now you've got everybody thinking, and I always say like to my CEOs that we coach today, is your investment on a talented person early on will 10x your freedom so much quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that freedom because that that freedom not only, you know, lack of a better word, frees you up to, you know, go scale your business, 
But that freedom also allows you to do other things that you maybe didn't think were possible, right? Maybe trips with the family, maybe investing in your health, different things is like we always, we like to tell ourselves these stories of I'm too busy, I'm too important, I can't step away, I can't do these things. When in fact, it's like, oh man, I've eaten, I don't know about our listeners right now, I can tell you I have eaten an ego sandwich over the last like year. (laughs) I'm like... I'm like, when is this going to be done? (laughs) But this is where this shift comes, right? Is Mm -hmm. how do I fight? Like the question that I keep asking myself is how do I fire myself from doing this? Right? Because I eventually want to get out of not being the face of play bigger. It's play bigger for a reason. It's not Raquel's coaching, right? Because we want to expand into other things. And so it's like, how can I fire myself from doing this? Oh my gosh. How good was that? Raquel is an absolute powerhouse. And the reason why I said like, I will tag everybody's social media because they, it, this, the, the social media isn't fluff and it isn't just like all this BS. Oh, here's what you should have, could have, would have done. It's real tactical advice. And that's just Raquel. I mean, she is so great. And the second person that I'm bringing on is someone that I hold in just as high regard. And that is Christina Bartold. Now, Christina is CEO of Social Snippet. She is an absolute badass um, and just so real. And if you have ever had the opportunity to to meet her, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And she is well-connected and well-versed when it comes to creating communities and doing things a little bit different. So what I love about Christina, because she is an absolute expert in social media and marketing, is we talk about personal branding, because I think that is something that gets muddied. It's like, oh, you should do this, or you shouldn't do that, or all of these different things. And what Christina shares in this little tiny snippet, I mean, the full episode was so great. I just can't recommend you listening to that or sharing it with somebody that needs some help with that personal branding, is it goes into pitfalls and understanding how to test metrics and truly understanding who you want to connect with. You know, how often do we go out on social media being like, oh, every single post should appeal to every single person that either follows me or or I want to connect with? Absolutely false. Christina shares more about that and connecting with the right people and being able to show up in an authentic and consistent way. Because that word authentic, right, is just like so overblown. Hear from Christina. She is going to share the gold and help you get a new perspective on your personal branding. What are some things, because I really want to go more on the personal branding side for for today rather than the business branding, because I think that's the one that maybe has a lot of gray area for people Mm -hmm. and truly understanding. What are some common pitfalls that you see people fall into when it comes to personal branding? Mm -hmm. So the first one I'm going to say is that people have mega imposter syndrome around showing up and showing up authentically as themselves. And so that's something that I see a lot with clients and folks that I coach is that people will be scared to show up online and scared to be themselves. So, you know, they'll think I'm boring. I'm somebody that people don't like, what's interesting about me? 
Like what, and these people are scared to show those things. And what they forget is that what makes them interesting is that they're just like everybody else. And we just want that view into people's lives. So that's what makes influencers so great is that when we look at an influencer, we're like, oh my gosh, like they're just like us. That's so cool. Um, So when we look for those similarities. So I think that's the biggest one is like the getting started is like fearful. And I think the other thing that people do is that they don't do a good job of engaging their audience. And so asking their audience like what they want to see on their pages from their personal brand and then doing more of that I think is really crucial because often we're posting and we're posting things that we think we want and we're not actually thinking about our ideal client or ideal customer and not actually asking like how are they going to engage with what we're what we're talking about so like for example maybe you love race car driving this is important to you you love race car driving actually you love horses I know you love horses so okay you love horses and say you're posting about horses 60 times a week and your, your, your uh, followers aren't horse people. And they're like, Oh, like, I, you know, unfollow, right? Like I, I can't look at another horse, but unless, because that's not your niche. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like thinking about those types of things. It's like, what does your, what does your audience like to see? So my audience in particular, my audience doesn't want social media tips on my Instagram page. It's fascinating. I, every once in a while, I'm like, guys, like this new thing came out and I want to talk to you about it. And nobody cares. But when I go on a trip, People are all over it. When people want to see things about my dog, they want to see me and Maria traveling. We do a live podcast. Like people are all over that. My story views go off the chart. And it's because people want to be part of our lifestyle. They want to be part of our rise. They're watching what we're building. And so I think it's also, that's the other piece that I see people make a mistake in is that they're posting for themselves, not their clients. Mm. And I think that's really important, especially when you're building out a strategy. I think that is something, um, Gosh, I just heard this somewhere else. It's so it's so spot on because we sit there and we're like, oh, like our perfect avatar is is us, is me. Yeah. And it's like, this is what I want to see. And this is what I want. And this is what I want. And it's like, it's almost like catching yourself, right? Yeah. It's like, if I just like said the word I or like, oh, I love this or, oh, I love that. Like, I think you got to love what you're doing and, and putting out there. But you also have to be like, will they love it? Mm-hmm. Will my person really love it? Does this connect with the person that I'm talking to, right? Horses only connects with like a few tiny things, um, <laughs> a few a few people, the close-knit people, but that is it. Otherwise people are like, yay, that's awesome. You have a horse. Okay, move on. Um, yeah. So I think that's really important that we start thinking. And it's just like in sales. It's just like in like... It's what the way I think about it, what just hit me is you walk into like a a dinner or a networking event or um, a a live recording podcast or something, you're not in there like telling everybody about you. Mm -hmm. You always want to be asking about them. You want to understand the other person. So I like the what you just explained is helping me even think about it like, wow. I want to be, I feel like it was Tony Robbins and I'm trying to think exactly what he said because I'm going to misquote it, but it's, it's basically like, I don't want to talk about myself once in the room. I don't want Mm. anyone to know me in the room. I want to know everybody type of thing. Yeah. And that's ideally like what your personal brand is, is that you want people, you want to be able to talk about yourself in a way that people want to hear it. Yeah. So it's like, if, for example, like if I was going on there every day, giving a social media tip, ideally my audience is going to start to curate itself and become that right where it's like people who want social media but 
they could just go to the social saver page. Like, but what makes me unique are all these other aspects of my life. So I really try to make sure that like the type of content I'm presenting is the kind of content they want. Um, and that's hard on a personal brand, especially when it's so personal, but I will say the more personal, the better in a lot of ways on, on social when it comes to personal brand. And I don't mean like, like you have to go in there and say anything explicit, but if you're like, <laughs> if you're like, okay, I like I, my friend Marina, she has a son, her son lost his passport we're on this journey with Marina, right? Like we've mm-hmm. been watching these videos of her talking about this passport nonstop, right? And that's kind of cool, right? Like it's cool to be part of it. People wanted to see that. Like people wanted the updates. So I think it's it's really about trying to figure out exactly what your ideal clients would, would kind of go for and then continue to replicate that. Like there's no such thing as bad content. It's just information. So if something does mm-hmm. badly, you're just like, oh crap, that didn't do well. Amazing. Now I know I'm not going to do that again. Or I've tried that two or three times. It hasn't worked. I'm not going to keep going. Okay. So again, stop, rewind the last like 30 seconds, because that I think is a recipe for many areas in life, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, there's really no failure. It's like, let me, okay. I learned what not to do. Let me move on. Right. Okay, cool. I'm not going to do that anymore right now. Let me move on. And that's where, um, I love, like, you can even start laughing about it and like, make it light. This doesn't define you. I think another big thing. So talking about like, just being fearful of sharing yourself is like your social media doesn't define whether you're good or bad. Right. Or whether you're like smart or not, or successful or not, like there's no definition of that. I know a lot of people that are highly successful that have zero presence on social media. Yep. Right. Uh, Yeah. And like, I always say this on podcasts and people are probably so sick of me saying this, but like no one who's doing more than you is judging you. So like no one, like Shelly, like, I think you're so freaking smart and like so successful. I don't think you're looking at my Instagram stories being like, Ooh, that's so like sad. She's doing this or like embarrassing, right? Like you got your own crap to deal with. And you, if you're leveling up at that level, like you're not wasting your time on that. And so that was something I really struggled with. So when I talk about that imposter syndrome, it comes from an honest place of like, I've experienced that of like, when I started showing up on my stories and I used to talk about, Hey, like, this is something that I'm doing. Here's something that I'm doing. I still, to this day, have people who are in my life who I'll see them. They're like, Oh, you post so many Instagram stories. And I'm like, mute me. Like, (laughs) unfollow me like I don't care because I know that when I don't post stories for a few days I'll have people reach out to me and be like where are you like what's going on stories are a huge way that we make sales in our business so am I going to miss out on sales or potential connections because this person that I see at one family dinner one time tells me I post too many stories no so like it's sometimes about like unpacking and unraveling some of that like and that takes self-work for sure So real quick, before we dive into the show, I wanted to share that I'm working on my social media presence by focusing on Instagram and LinkedIn. Definitely still learning the LinkedIn game, but it's actually a lot more enjoyable and I can say it's pretty fun. But I can tell you what I love the most is connecting and learning from other like-minded professionals. So if we aren't connected on either platform, I would love to learn more about you and connect together. Go ahead, shoot me a DM, follow me, tag me, let's connect. Let's have some fun elevating our health while we are building our wealth. Okay, back by popular demand. You now are going to be enlightened with, again, Chris Bryan. So my husband. 
I had Chris on for an episode back at 49 and it was so well received. It was definitely one of our most downloaded that I brought him back again at episode 85. And this one, I mean, you know, here on the show, we talk about like the real, the raw, the dirty. It is what it is. Here's what happened. Here's what we learned. And man, here's what I wish we would have done or what we will do again in the future. And we talked about the topic of shiny object syndrome or shiny object entrepreneurship. You know, it's one of the things that I can, you'll hear on this episode, specifically in this snippet, but the full episode, we talk about how shiny objects and really trying to solve those has actually hurt us. And what happens and the power really that comes when you stay focused and go all in. Now, Chris actually shares such an interesting perspective because we have very diverse backgrounds, both personally and now together with our construction company, but we have different perspectives on what shiny object syndrome was. And it's so interesting that you can hear both sides of it, but we share it all. And we also share like, wow, okay, here's how it hurt us. Here's what we did. Here's how we recognized it. And here's the result when we actually went and focused, gained clarity, and went all in on our construction company. So tune in right now to hear Chris's perspective. March, April, 2022 mm-hmm. is when I was like, well, I'd already shut the other stuff down and I was still in construction, but I was like, I, I, that's when I turned right before that's when I turned off social media. And I said, I'm not looking at anything. I'm going this is all I'm doing. And then that is when literally, like, I don't want to say the floodgates had opened yet, but within three months after that is when everything, that was, wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. We were marketing and we we're doing things and we we're trying to find business, but um, it's when I cleared my mind of everything. I wasn't running anything else. I gave 110% of this and it's I don't where I'm at right now. I have no idea how anyone can say they run five successful businesses at one time and are as busy as me because I don't have. Well, I think for both of us, that's the thing is like it was it wasn't until I stopped everything else and just was like, that's it. Yeah, that I don't know how we could have done it together at all for between the business and the kids. There's no way you can't. And the thing was, is for how many years, I mean, Jax is 13 Mm -hmm. for how many years we were doing it. Mm -hmm. And so when you think back to it, I can think back to even when I was chasing the shiny object in corporate that, you know, what suffered because usually when you're, when you're spread so thin amongst different things, relationships, your health, like that's what suffered. Mm -hmm. You know, I was so focused on getting the promotion that I was traveling 70% of the time and away from my kids when they were young. Mm -hmm. Such a stupid decision. But I can say that now, looking back, like that wasn't smart. I understand where my head was before and doesn't make it okay. This is why I think it's interesting to talk about the shiny object specifically, because I never thought when you said shiny object syndrome, I always just- You thought goal. I, I thought more from an entrepreneurial side of it, not ever from a corporate side. Cause well, you the corporate side, like, yeah, yeah, I know the corporate, like, that's kind of like, if you want to move up the ladder, I get it. Nothing that people who are working in corporate, you want to, you want to, whatever you want a promotion, you want bonuses or something like that. That's kind of mm-hmm. like comes with the territory, but 
I think of it specifically as the person who's out there as an entrepreneur or the person you had mentioned you talk to in these meetings you go to that they're like, I feel like I'm not doing enough because the people I see that I value their opinion, I see where they're at and I want to be there too, are doing X, Y, and Z and I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. And so that right there to me is more related towards the, the what people see through the media that they consume from this, like, because I'm guilty of it too. And that's why I had to turn it off is that people tend to make things look easier than they are. 100%. People tend to embellish everything that they're doing. A lot of times and listen to me, people out there, people will tell you they're making a million or 2 million a year, but they're most likely probably giving you revenue numbers, not actual profit numbers. And that's one of the tricks right there. She's like, man, that person's making a million dollars a year doing that. And you don't really understand that. Yeah, but they spent $995,000 in expenses to make that million. So they really made nothing, but you spend all your time then chasing that shiny object only to learn that I can't make any money at this. It's taken up too much of my time. And now I've wasted two years of my life. This sucks. I, I mean, there's like a lot to talk about there. I think <laughs> it's like, got you heated up. You're like ready. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of different things there. And I, I don't want to necessarily say one is right or wrong. It's just based upon experience. Yeah. And so like for me, it, it was corporate. It was the the shiny object, but then I saw right through it. I red pilled on corporate and really what it was, mm -hmm. but then it was like, oh, well I can open up this restaurant and open up this franchise and I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the first one in Arizona to do it. And it's going to be so much fun and so great. And I can connect with community and it, I'll be able to help all these you know, kids and people that are working for us, like get started in their careers. Mm -hmm. And I would say probably one of my best memories of, of that was actually helping one of our employees get a different job when he was graduating college. Oh yeah. You remember that? Yeah. I like coached him on how to negotiate his first job. And, yeah. and that's when I started like being like, what the hell am I doing? Like the notoriety of it is not that yeah. special. And so my shiny object, and I, I think we're using this term kind of interchangeably a couple of ways of like, <laughs> that's where you're of like the goal, but the, I'm glad where this conversation is going quite honestly, because I feel like shiny object, I always looked at what was the fastest way to get to the goal. Mm -hmm. So if it was this shiny object, go. But then when you look and you're like, oh, well, it isn't what it was shown to me as, so, okay, now I'm going to go over to this shiny object and this one's going to do it, but I'm not going to let go of this one. I'm going to have all these other businesses, all these other things. And when you like look at a piece of pie, what's dedicated to each one, there's nothing left. And so you are only giving a fraction of you to each one. Mm -hmm. of, of course, of course, it's not going to be successful. Hence why franchises are successful selling franchises because they're they're everything is marketing and all this stuff is towards people who are in a position where they're where can I do something to make money and not have to be there and that's what's the hot new thing in the franchise market for example donuts mm -hmm. and that's a shiny object and oh my god think about the lifestyle look at that guy's lifestyle he's driving he's driving a Ferrari mm -hmm. that's that is just that's like a you know that's a actual brick and mortar version of a a shiny object as opposed to like more of the digital ones that you see now, yeah. you know, which is just, you know, all the stuff. And then you, then the funny thing is you, 
that's the old the old saying what was it the um the only people that made money during the gold rush is the one selling the shovels and the pitchforks mm. because the shiny object was go out and dig for gold and get rich but the guy who actually made the money was the one selling the pitchfork so when you look at the shiny object of oh i can be an influencer and make a bunch of money or oh i can do drop chicken coaching money or, or i can be a coach and make a bunch of money it's the people who are selling the course on how to be a coach the people who are selling the course on how to drop ship that are actually making the money do you see what I mean? Pretty easy to see why having Chris on the show obviously became two of the most downloaded episodes. Um, you know, this is just how we operate and it's always fun. I mean, when you put a microphone in somebody, even the person you've been married to for 18 years, just the conversations that come up become so much fun. But now I want to transition over to the fourth most downloaded episode, and that is Brooke Shulette, who is a psychologist. And uh, she is someone that we just got connected on social media, and she is incredibly intelligent. And I was so excited to have her on because this podcast really appeals. A lot of the topics that we talk about is not only the lessons learned, but it is very appealing to those high achievers out there, both men and women. And Dr. Shule works with very high performing professional athletes, right? The professional athletes that are always in the limelight, plus executives and this snippet that I pulled out from our show together was, it hit me like a ton of bricks because she went into depth on the difference between a coach and a therapist and really what it's like from, because she, again, she's thinking about athletes, but there are so many different coaches out there and are you being told what to do or are you being collaborated with so that you can come up with the solutions on your own? So Dr. Shulette really clears up kind of the difference between these two, which I think is so incredibly helpful because mentorship, coaching, therapy, they all have kind of different meanings and, the, and sometimes the water can get muddied. She clears it up and then Part of this snippet that I pulled out, we talk about motivation because motivation as a high performer is something that's incredibly important. And while willpower is something that we rely on a lot, it doesn't need to be the only thing. And so here what Brooke Shule, Dr. Shule has to say about these topics. I, I know that you have like a, a, you have very specific niches that you work with. And I wanted to dive in a little bit more to the corporate and executive performance therapy kind of arm mm -hmm. of, of, uh, clientele. Obviously no names will be mentioned here on the show, <laughs> but you kind of have four different layers. I'd love for, for you to take us through this because as higher performers, sometimes we don't know where to go, right? There's so many choices that it can cause anxiety. And then we like stall out. And mm -hmm. a high achiever, and I'm sure based upon your experience, you'll be able to share this with us. Even when you look at um, more in the limelight, like professional athletes, they have so many different coaches and so many different layers underneath where, why would we even think for a second that that couldn't be applied to the executive professional level, you know, within our careers. So I'd love for you to kind of dive into that a little bit and, and let's see how we can maybe kind of open up and, cl and clear some things up. 
Right. I think that's a really good point because I using the word coaching almost too, there's like, if you imagine seeing like you're watching a basketball game or a football game and the coach is just losing their mind on the side and yelling or whatever they might be doing. In my opinion, like a coach is telling someone what to do, do this. Here's where you can improve, do this better. And what I think is there's a lot of executive coaches out there. But what I think is the really like fine tuned difference with executive and performance therapy is that you're not telling them what to do. You're collaborating and having a conversation so that they can identify for themselves what might be things that they're lacking or could improve on or what their strengths are. Because someone who recognizes it themselves and it comes from the subconscious up to their conscious mind, they have more incentive to want to make changes. Whereas if a coach is just telling you like, great job today, but you need to get five more assists and, you know, three baskets and whatever, like that just feels like more noise. That is more anxiety provoking and more clutter. So I feel like the executive performance therapy is really unique where you're collaborating with someone to help them uncover for themselves what are areas for improvement and what they do well to then hone in on those skills to excel. I I seriously, I want to like put that on repeat because (laughs) I love how you broke that down, right? The therapy versus the coaching. And I think that this is really powerful because right now um, there is such a, an abundance of coaches and, and I'm, if you're on YouTube coaches in, in air quotes, right? Like you deal with, with, um, or work with, uh, athletic coaches, that's a different type of coach, but I'm thinking like coaches, people that call themselves coaches all the time. And, and it's funny, it's almost like, I I love that example that you gave of someone telling you what you should be doing. It's like, Mm -hmm. as soon as you implement that word should, your body's going to shut it out and be like, yeah, whatever. It's more noise. Oh, more things I should be doing that are piling up on top of you, creating more mental exhaustion where the therapy, I love that collaboration. And that word I think can get overplayed, but the way that you explained it is so powerful And I think can be really helpful for anyone tuning in right now. If you are looking for someone to partner with, to help you refer back to that, where Dr. Chalet actually just shared the difference between a coach and a therapist and, and the difference that can come from it. Right. And it's tough too, because like you said, there's so many coaches out there and there's so many therapists out there. It's like, how do you figure out what's different or what's actually the right way to do things or what works for you. And so the first question I ask people when they come into my office and tell me that they're working with a therapist is, well, what kind of therapy are you doing? Like, are you just chit-chatting? Are you building skills? Like, what is it that you're doing? Because there's great people in every profession, but there's also some people that are more, you know, challenging to work with, or you're not noticing progress immediately. So I think that's so critical is, are you just like having a conversation? Are you being told what to do and making yourself feel worse and worsening your cognitive distortions? Or are you working with someone to unravel some of those things and then gain your own motivation to move forward and do better? Oh gosh, I love that. And let's dive in real quick on motivation because uh, I mean, I can tell you from my personal experience, just with me, 
is once I truly understood like why I'm doing these things, why we are, you know, my husband and I, we have a construction company and why we are building that company. It it's changed everything, right? The, the hard days, I don't want to say become easier, but you can work through the mud to actually do the things that are going to make a difference. How do you help people find a motivation? Because I think that right now, and what I hear consistently out there is it's like the, the pedestal isn't enough. Right. I think that's a really tough one for some people because when they come through my door, they've usually gotten to a place where they're wanting to make a change, right? I don't see people often because I don't take insurance. So people who are coming here are really kind of invested in their own improvement and well-being. And I think that another thing to remember as a coach, as a, you know, therapist, as a psychiatrist, is you really have to remember to reflect back on what the client is wanting to improve on because you might have in your mind what you think they should be improving on. But if you're not kind of synced up with each other on what the goals are, you're never going to motivate someone to, to get there. So I think that's like foundation and like level one is just what in your life are you struggling with? And once we identify that, are you, where are you at and wanting to make changes there? And there's a whole thing called motivational interviewing where let's say like, you know, I have a 16 year old who comes in and is smoking marijuana every day. And the parent's goal might be for them to stop smoking. But rather than just getting there, I first like to ask, well, what benefits do you get out of smoking every day? What are some of the consequences you get out of smoking every day? And then on a scale of one to a hundred, like where are you at in your motivation to make a change? And if they say 50, well, then you say, well, what are the things that are holding you back from being a 60? And that's the slow and steady kind of steps to instilling change and getting someone to be motivated is they have to come to that conclusion themselves. Did that change your perspective a bit on coach versus therapist? I know it did for me. I really appreciated her perspective rather than just the client's perspective when it comes to coaching versus therapy, as well as motivation. That is like, that episode was full of absolute gold. Highly recommend it. And then last but not least, rounding out these top five. Now, this is episode 97. This episode just came out a week ago, and it already hit one of my most downloaded. And for, for this second half, right, 51 through 98, as we are rounding out to episode 100 here, but Sarah Foley, Vertical Blonde. If you haven't followed Sarah yet on Instagram, I highly recommend it. But she has an incredible story of triumph through a disability that she just recently encountered, really recently actually when you think about it, and you hear more in this episode. But what I love about the snippet that I pulled out is that we talk about how identity can shift us and how it can help us or it can hurt our progress. And then one thing that Sarah so beautifully explains through this episode, but through this snippet that I pulled out, is she completely reframes the idea of acceptance. And acceptance is something that I think personally I've struggled with 
because there has been, and you've, if you've been following along on the show, there's high, there's been highs and lows in my entrepreneur, even in my career in corporate, there's been lots of high and lows. And there was periods of time that I think drug on now that reflecting and hearing Sarah's perspective on this has completely reframed the word acceptance for me when there has been a challenge, because I know that oftentimes we want to be like, go back and be like, oh my gosh, let me redo that. If I, if I had a do over, here's what I would do. Here's how I would change it. And so tune into this snippet, but definitely download this whole episode, share it out with someone else that might be in a valley right now. And then also in this full episode, not this snippet, but this full episode, Sarah is a master when it comes to storytelling. So listen in. Could you just share a little bit more how that experience really shaped and and maybe even some of the messy part, but how you've been able to work through that to get to where you are now? Yeah, you know, identity is a funny thing. Once we get kind of grounded in a, in something, whether it's a label or a title or something, it it can sway us in either negative or positive ways. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part was that I really loved my life before I got hurt so much that literally the morning of I'd gone on a hike with my boyfriend who was there through the accident and everything. And I stood on top of this mountain and said, my life is perfect. There's nothing about it. I would change. I literally said those words out loud and it's like almost haunting at this point. And then everything about my life, I hated. I had to relearn how to do everything. And I think the most disabling part was that I had this global belief about what disability meant. Mm. And I think that we don't understand that we don't have to follow that, right? It's, we have a global belief of what it looks like to be a wife. And then when we get married, we think we have to be that way. Or maybe we're divorced and we're a single mom and we've got this belief about a single mom and what that looks like. Now we've got these beliefs that are kind of running the show until we wake up and say, I don't want that. I can make this look however I want. I can do this however I want. I've got pure freedom in that. But I have to be willing to face whatever Mm. part of me is not willing to look at it in another way. And so you kind of, for me, it was just like scraping little by little away that old sense of identity of disability and even the old sense of who I thought I used to be and what I thought life was going to look like and being able to allow that to just get scraped away and almost with this blank slate say, this right now is my life and I get to make it whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the true meaning of acceptance too. Because for a long time, you know, they would just tell me that acceptance was key. Get to this point of acceptance. Accept this is now your life. And I used to think that that meant I had to like having a disability. But it simply meant that I accepted this is what life was. And now I got to use that as my starting point versus trying to start in the past. All right. Well, we made it. Can you believe it? Okay. Episode 99. I literally cannot believe that we are here. I set out starting this 
podcast in January of this year. And here we are before the end of year hitting a hundred episodes. So this one was extremely special to me because I love, um, actually as crazy as it sounds, I actually love looking at, at the analytics, using the numbers to drive, uh, decisions. And these five most downloaded are what you, the listeners said were most important to you. And each person in this inner, in these five interviews was so powerful, but I must say that every person that comes on the show, there is a story that comes behind it. And if any of you that have been a guest on the show are listening in right now, I just can't thank you enough for your willingness to be open, honest, and share the real story that has helped you either excel, move through, in hopes of helping our listeners in the future. So take you through again. It's episode 55 with Raquel Quinette, 61 with Christina Bartold, 85 with none other than Chris Bryan, 93 with Dr. Brooke Shulette, as well as 97 with Sarah Foley. So if this was something that you're like, oh, I've been telling people about your, your podcast, Shelly, and you want to give them a good taste, here is a great way to give them essentially six episodes all in one. So I really appreciate the shares. I will... Uh, Definitely ask that you come back and listen in to episode 100 because I have quite the uh, story and experience I want to share about these 100 episodes with you. And until next time, I hope you're out there having a great day. 